There are some statistics that have been floating around. I look at some of them or I heard of them about how many ministers quit the ministry and the percentage is so high in proportion beyond anything that I have thought. And I realize that probably only in eternity will we understand and comprehend of how many people in the ministry who have quit too soon. Only in eternity will we understand and know how many Sunday school teachers who have quit too soon. Only then we will understand how many parents who have quit and gave up on their children too soon. Only then do we understand how many children have given up on their parents too soon. Only then we'll understand how many relationships that have ended and brought to a, a halt too soon. Only then will we know. And I'm not saying, of course, that sometimes we are forced into situations where we have to move on. I'm not saying that. I'm talking specifically about voluntarily, about freely quitting. Whether it is out of discouragement, or it's out of not seeing visible results, or it's out of sheer boredom with the task that God has given you. Whatever the reason may be. Today, even among Christians, that attitude and the spirit of stick-to-itiveness, it has become rare, it has become extinct, simply because our society and the world has given up on perseverance, and therefore society, instead of the other way around, is impacting those who are in Jesus Christ. And those who have faltering faith give up too soon. Quit too soon. This past week I have read a story about an army chaplain that was brought in at the request of a dying soldier who was severely and seriously wounded. And when the chaplain came, the dying soldier said to him, he said, please, I want you to take this letter. I want you to send this letter to my former Sunday school teacher. He said, tell her that I have died a Christian. Because of what she taught me in that class in the church, the memory of her earnest pleas, the warmth of her love for Jesus Christ, stayed with me and stayed with me at peace or at war. Tell her that I'll meet her in heaven. It wasn't many weeks after that. The boy died. And then the chaplain received a reply back from the teacher. The Sunday school teacher saying, Just last month, I have decided to give up teaching Sunday school because I could not see any use of continuing on. And in every area of life and in every area of ministry, there are people who quit too soon. And that is why I believe the Lord Jesus Christ, once he left the crowd and began to meet with the disciples alone, just his followers alone, he told them a parable. And that parable of the mustard seed was designed to strengthen their faith. It is a parable that was designed to open their spiritual eyes. It was designed for them to comprehend the nature of the kingdom of God. It was designed to help them understand the true Old Testament interpretation regarding His coming. It was designed to help them see His Messiahship as God saw it. 
not as some of the Jewish leaders have interpreted it. You know, I am absolutely certain, as I read the pages of the gospel, I am certain that there are many a times that these disciples were, were tempted to question Jesus' Messiahship. They were tempted to question their decision to follow him. They were tempted to question their decision to sacrifice their professions, to sacrifice their livelihoods, and to sacrifice their future and follow him. I'm sure they were tempted at times to think, could the deliverer of the world be such lacking in earthly power and prestige? In fact, I can tell you that the question that John the Baptist sent to ask of Jesus probably is a summary of all of their thoughts. It was the question on everyone's mind. Here's what he said. He said, are you the one or should we wait for another? Jesus sent them back and he said, go and tell John the Baptist what is happening. Tell him what you're seeing taking place. To them, probably at this time in Jesus' earthly ministries, we're asking the question, can someone from Nazareth really rise in the popularity poll and really overturn the power of Rome? Is that really possible? Can someone who has no political savvy at all be the savior of the world? Can someone who doesn't have any ecclesiastical clout with those bishops and those hierarchical structure in Jerusalem, can he really pull it off? Can he be the Messiah? And if he is the one, why doesn't he do something right now? Why is he taking so long to bring about the fulfillment of the dreams of all countless generations? Why doesn't he take advantage of his popularity? Why doesn't he get a carload or camel load or donkey load of people and go down to Jerusalem and take over? Can he really pull it off? Or is he going to disappoint us and he's going to crash our dreams and he's going to crash our hopes and then we're going to be shattered? When impatience ferment, it produces discouragement and despondency. And when discouragement and despondency become fully grown, it will produce quitting too soon. Too soon. And that is why Jesus took his disciples aside after he told the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And then he took his disciples inside and he said, Now I got some things to tell you and you alone. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 31. He presented them another parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he sowed in his field. Mustard is a herb which back then at the time of Jesus' earthly ministry was widely used. It was used for food. It was used for medicinal purposes. It was used so often that there's seldom a home without mustard. And Jesus said, a man planted a mustard seed. Now we've met that planter before. We met him in the last message. He is the sower of the good wheat. He is the sower of the good seed. He is the owner of the field. He is the one who presides over the harvest in the harvest day. He is the one, even the Lord Jesus Christ himself is the sower. And here he is, the sower of a tiny mustard seed. Now, of course, the choice of the tree to represent the kingdom of heaven, it is not an accident. 
It was deliberate because the hearers of the Lord Jesus Christ at the time understood what he was talking about. For it was a tree in the Garden of Eden, and the fruit of that tree that caused Adam and Eve to fall and stumble. It was a tree that God said in the book of Ezekiel that is going to represent the kingdom of heaven. It was upon a tree that the Lord Jesus Christ hung in order to pay for your sins and the wages of my sins and yours. And here, it is a tree that grows from a tiny mustard seed that the kingdom of God is like. Now, generally speaking, mustard plant, it's a small plant, it's a small bush. It is not a huge tree. But there are some parts of ancient Palestine where the mustard tree could grow up to 12 or maybe even 15 feet high. And when it is fully grown, it becomes a haven for the birds, the small birds of the air to come and to nest and take shelter in it. Now there are some good and godly people. But over a hundred years ago, G. Campbell Morgan, for example, one of the finest Bible expositors, interpret this parable differently from the way it really meant here. He said that Jesus basically looked down history and he saw what's going to happen to his church and he saw that the church is going to become corrupt and no longer the pure, holy, righteous body of Christ that's going to grow in bureaucracy and is going to be corrupt both politically and doctrinally and therefore that mustard seed that normally does not grow to be a big tree is going to grow and be a big tree and all kinds of apostasy and false doctrine is going to nest in it. Certainly it's turning that parable on its head. (laughs) But this is reading history into the parable. You've got to understand the scripture. Always find out what is Jesus saying to the immediate hearers. What is he saying to them now? Not here we are 2,000 years. We learn from it, but always ask the question, what was the writer saying to the people of that day? And what Jesus is saying in this parable, what Jesus is saying in this story to his disciples is this. He's emphasizing the point of the previous story that we saw in the last message. The wheat and the weed. He is attempting to tell them that God's kingdom is going to grow. He is saying, don't judge things by appearances. He is saying, don't be mistaken by the size of the mustard seed. He is saying, don't think that because I do not come with swords and with armies and with horses that I am powerless. Don't think that because I do not come in human power or violence that I am not the redeemer of all mankind. Don't fall in that temptation. Don't despise the day of small things, says the scripture. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't be misled by the humble origins. Don't let the current opposition to me and to my ministry and my messiahship blind you for the future blessings that's going to come upon this world because of me. That's the point of the story. That's what Jesus is saying. And he knew that his hearers, he knew that his disciples are understanding everything he's saying. Because as we have read from the book of Daniel, there is the image of that tree, that vision that Nebuchadnezzar have seen but could never understand. And because of Daniel and his three friends, and because of God's people who were living in Babylon at the time, that God blessed the Babylonian empire. It was a pagan empire. It had no godliness at all. But God said he's going to bless it and it's going to be a huge tree. 
that the whole known world at the time was blessed through the Babylonian Empire, through that tree, simply because of God's people. That is the point of the story. The point of this parable is Jesus saying, listen, guys, don't be discouraged. My opponents may look to be triumphant now, but withhold your judgment. My enemies may seem to be gaining in power and popularity in the upper hand now, but you just wait. My opposition may be fierce now, but be patient. My detractors may be growing in popularity, but you wait. Wait until I'm resurrected from the dead. (laughs) What did Jesus say? For when I am lifted up, what do I do? I draw all men to myself. When I am resurrected, I will bless all of those who put their trust in me. When I am resurrected, I will be the power of God unto salvation. When I'm resurrected, I will shelter all who will believe in me. When I'm risen from the grave, I will protect all of those who come under my shadow, all of those who will come under my shade. When I'm resurrected, I'm going to heal, I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to restore because I have the power of God. That's the point of the story. So Jesus is assuring them that there's more than meets the eye. This is a parable of encouragement. This is a parable of vision. This is a a story. And the point of it is very simply this. Don't be discouraged by the size of my kingdom now. Don't be disheartened by those who mock me now. Don't be disappointed by those who doubt me now. But rather, look forward. Look forward to the day when that mustard seed becomes a tree. Now that's the point of the story. That's the point of the parable. And in faithfulness to the scripture, I explained it to you. And I want to share with you something now that is a principle. It is not the point of the parable as it intended by the Lord. But it is a principle that I believe it is biblical from cover to cover. When a person comes and surrender and repent of their sins, and be born of the Spirit of God, and be born again, and walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe the Lord at that point plants a mustard seed of faith in every one of their hearts. How well the seed is going to grow into a tree of faith depends upon obedience. Sheer obedience. How well and how much of a blessing are you going to be to others and for others depends upon how willing you are to pay the price of surrender. I'm convinced that the Bible teaches from beginning to end that individual believers, here and now, that individual believers can be a source of blessing. They can be a source of blessings in their family. They can be a source of blessings in their community. They can be a source of blessings in their workplace. They can be a source of blessings even to nations. It was because of Abraham that God blessed Lot. 
It was because of Jacob that God blessed Laban. It was because of David that God blessed Israel. It was because of Daniel that God blessed pagan Babylon. And because of the Lord Jesus Christ, God has blessed the world. And that is why the Apostle Paul could confidently say that the unbelieving spouse is sanctified in the believing spouse and that the unbelieving children are sanctified in the believing parents. And wherever the gospel is preached, people are blessed. And that is why from the very beginning when God called us to start this church in this place, He did not call us to be a church of navel gazers. He did not call us to be a church that only think of what we need, what we can have, what can happen. God called us to be a church that's going to touch the world. And that is why from this place the voice of the gospel has gone throughout the world and will by Jesus and in His power. Now in the previous message we saw how the weed and the wheat were growing together. But you notice never once in that parable said that the weed is going to destroy the wheat. Never. Never. I don't care how much evil you tell me is going to be in the world. I don't care how much wickedness in the world. I know that the God's faithful people will never be destroyed because we have Jesus' own words on it. He said, and the gates of hell shall not, will not overcome it. Hear me right, please. If you are wringing your hand and you have already packed up, packed your bags and fleeing in discouragement, and I'll tell you why, it is because you have lost your vision of God. As I look around, I find that the Christians many times remind me of the story of this woman who went to the opera house. And there she lost a very valuable diamond brooch. And the next day she called the manager and and she said to him, she said, yesterday I was there and I lost this very valuable diamond brooch. He said, please hold the line. He called all his executives. He called the cleaners. He called everybody that he can find in that morning. And they all went for a search throughout the building and the brooch was found. And they came back, picked up the phone with excitement that the woman hung up. They waited for her to call, never called again. They advertised in the papers. I heard this. I said, isn't it how many Christians are living today? They come to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, bless me. Oh, Lord, give me your power. God, give me your leading. God, give me. And then they could never hold the line long enough for God to come back and give them the answer. And when they receive just a little bit, they hang up too soon. They give up too soon. They judge by appearances. They live by sight and they constantly get bogged down in human logic and human answers and get bogged down in, in manipulation and orchestration and they miss out on God's blessings. I believe with all my heart that God wants the world to see Him and to see what He can do in the life of an obedient child. I believe that with all my heart that God wants to demonstrate His spirit of power through His obedient children. But most people, as soon as they get a little bit, a little bit of the blessing, they get a glimpse of God's power, a glimpse of God's glory. What do they do? Good enough. Thank you, Lord. This is it. I'll take it from here. Thank you. And they get themselves back in the driver's seat. And what happens? 
God says, okay. How many of you, God really works this way? When you say to him, okay, I can handle it from here, Lord. He always says, fine, go for it. I really believe that. And when you go nowhere in a hurry, you start living on the blessings of yesterday. And you say, what happened? I want to tell you, God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your family. He wants to bless your business. God, there's no prosperity theology. I want to tell you, this is what the Word of God said from cover to cover. God wants to bless your ministry. Why? Not because of your baby blues, I can tell you that. (laughs) Or browns and my case. (laughs) But God wants to bless you. He longs to bless you so that you may be a blessing to others. God wants the blessings of His kingdom to flow through His children, His obedient children. God wants to release His power through His obedient children so that the world be blessed through Him. God wants to use us to shelter those who are lost and come to Him. God wants to use us in order to shelter others from the scorching heat of sin and guilt and misery. God wants to use us to bring the lost under His shadow. God wants to use us to be instrument to save the lost. God wants us to bring under His shadow that it may be spreading far and wide to bring as many to the kingdom as possible. God wants to make us a blessing. Have you given up on your child or your children? You have given up too soon. Have you given up on your parents? You have given up too soon. Have you given up on someone for whom you have prayed for a long time and then you have given up? You have given up too soon. Have you given up on a ministry that God has given you and you dumped it and moved on? You have given up too soon. Have you given up on an important relationship that God placed in your hand? You have given up too soon. Have you given up on God? I meet people all the time who tell me they're giving up on God. I want to tell you, if you have given up on God, you have given up too, too, too soon. But when you walk in obedience, your mustard seed can become a tree. And I have never seen a tree that has grown overnight, have you? And yet in our fast food society, fast moving society, we are always looking for a way to be blessed in a hurry. And a way to be a blessing in a hurry. Some of you have been in places where you have seen how the mustard seed in your life, in whatever area in your life, has grown that you have watered that soil with tears and God has honored your prayers and you're hanging in there and you're not giving up and it has grown and became a mustard seed. He's proving himself to you. And now you are maybe going through the same thing again or a different stage of it or a different area in your life. And all you could see is that nearly invisible mustard seed. God can give you a tree. Stay on the line. Don't hang up. Don't hang up. Don't hang up. Stay on the line. God is going to turn your mustard seed into a tree. I don't know what God has promised you. 
I know what he's promised me. You know what he's promised you. And what he promised me is different from what he promised you, and you, and you, and you. And I want to ask you today, has God promised you healing? Don't give up. Has God promised you the salvation of a member of your family? Don't give up. Has God promised you a restoration? Don't give up. Has God promised you success in business or in any area in your life? Don't give up. Has God promised you a partner? Don't give up. Whatever God has promised you, don't give up because the mustard seed will become a tree. I don't know who this message is to. If God's speaking to you, you are the person for whom this word came. And if you have been tempted to give up, make that commitment, Lord, I will not give up. Say, Lord, I will surrender that attitude right now. And I'm going to plant it in the ground visually like a mustard seed in order that it will be a tree of blessing. Precious Heavenly Father, I bless you that the Lord Jesus said that a mustard seed, when it is planted by you, it will produce a tree of blessing. Father, I thank you that your promise is that you honor those who honor you. Father, and those who are ashamed of you will be ashamed. Will you be ashamed of them in the last day? And I thank you in the name of Jesus for everyone who's standing here. Father God, I pray of your power to be moving in their lives now as they plant those seeds. And Father, we look by faith to the trees that will grow in due season. And we thank you and receive them by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.